Matthew chapter 15, verse 21. The Bible says, Then went Jesus, then Jesus went thence and departed in the coasts, the coast of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, I'm going to say, and then we're going to get on. This has been, I've heard it my whole life. I believe this was more of an indictment on Israel than it was on her. He had just been, he just left them because, Brother David, all they wanted to argue about was clean hands and dirty hands. And they couldn't even realize the problem wasn't their hand, it was their heart. And then the Bible says in verse 25, Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It's not me to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, Truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master's table. And then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Boy, when you call the Lord to be a man, He said, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee even as thy wilt. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you, Lord, for your calling in my life. Lord, I pray now that you would help me. Lord, you would strengthen me. Lord, you know the limitations that I have. Lord, I'm just a fallen man. I'm nothing without you. But I pray, Lord, you take this vessel of clay. And Lord, you'd breathe upon it and breathe through it today. And I pray, God, that you'd put me up to your lips and speak through me. Lord, what you'd have the people to hear today. I pray, God, for that one here. Lord, that seems like they're at their wit's end. And I pray this morning that they'd hear this truth from the Word of God and they'd be helped. Lord, we love you and I pray, God, if there's one here lost. Lord, most of all, Lord, I pray for that one that may be lost. I pray you'd deal with their heart. And Lord, help them come to know you as their Lord and Savior today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The Bible says in verse 25, Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord... Help me. And you know, I got to get my water, my allergies. And by the way, it is allergies. Corona did not get rid of allergies. I promise you. This, 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 somebody said, you mean there's allergies in the fall? I said, absolutely. They haven't lived in western Kentucky, I don't guess. But I'm going to do my best. But that phrase, Lord, help me. I don't know how when you read the Bible, but when I read it, I try to put myself in the place where the people that are speaking are. I try to think, I try to look at it from their point of view. I try to think more than just what the words, I want to imagine how they possibly said this. And I believe that this woman here, when she said this, I believe she said this with all of her heart. She said, Lord, help me. I believe this woman had come to the Lord 
because she was desperate for help. I believe that she had tried everything she could to help her little girl and nothing could help her. And now she finds herself. And by the way, she found a good place to get help. Amen. She said, Lord, help me. And you know, this morning we're good at putting on a good show. You know it? Have you ever noticed children when they're immature and in their stubbornness, a lot of times they don't want help? Any kids like that? I got a couple of them. Three or four. They want to do it on their own. And sometimes they let their pride get them in big trouble. Did you know that we're just like that? We think that we can do it on our own. We think that no matter how complex the situation is, that somehow we can wiggle our way out of it. But the more we strain, the more we try, the more we work, it seems like the webs just get stronger and we find ourselves in a bigger mess. This woman here cried out to the Lord and said, Lord, help me. This morning, that's my cry. I want to say, Lord, help me. I've got things I can do, Lord. I need your help. Did you know that word help? It means to run to one in need or with aid or relief. Did you know this? From the very beginning of, man, of, 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 of the very beginning, God has sought to help man. Do you believe that? I'm glad you do because the Bible says he did. Genesis 2.16, the Lord said it's not good for a man to be alone. And it, Brother David, it said he sought for him a help meet. You understand that from the very beginning, Adam was in a perfect environment in the Garden of Eden, had everything that you can imagine. He didn't want for anything. He didn't lack for anything. And God said, I want to find a way that I can help him. I want to help him. I want to, I want to make his life easier. I want to I give him some relief and some company. And he prepared for him a wife. And this morning... I want to say this, and we're going to move along. But as much as you want help, God desires to give you help in a greater measure. Think about your life, the times where you wanted help so bad. You thought, Lord, I don't want to be this way. I don't want to think this way. I don't want to act this way. I don't want to do this way. Lord, I don't want to, I want to be right. I want to be fixed. I want to be, and think about how strongly you felt about that. And as strongly as you want help, God, He wants you to have help much, much, much stronger than that. You see, this morning, we don't have to twist God's arm to get Him to help us out. He wants to help. He wants to. My mother, my grandmother was that way. They just always wanted to help. They all, my grandmother, Nanny, she, she's in heaven and she just, she always wanted to help. She didn't care. She wanted to make things better. If there was a problem, she wanted to fix it. It didn't matter if it cost her her last dime. It didn't matter if she had to go and stay out all night. She helped my mom and my dad when we were little, helped by picking us up and, uh, and, and taking us home and baby and watching us cause they, 
Uh, both words. She drove, and she never, she never drove over 35 miles an hour, ever. And I'll never forget when we was in middle school, my brother, uh, or my brother was in middle school. He went to West Hall High School and I was in uh, sixth grade. I went to Gainesville Middle School and then my sister went to Westminster School. We all went to three different schools and my grandmother would pick up Mary Beth and then she'd come pick up me and then she'd go pick up my brother. And then she, and you know what? I felt every day it was like you're going to California. <laughs> 35 miles an hour. And you know, she hated to drive. She didn't start driving until she was 25. She was scared of driving. She didn't want to drive. And you know, I can, as, as a boy, as a young man, a, a kid, I, I would get aggravated because I was like, man, this car says 85 on there. Why don't we go 85? And, and you know, she would take us home. It'd take about an hour, seriously, hour and a half. And we'd get home and we'd get there and she'd fix us a snack and she'd help us with our homework. And then my mom would get home from work and it'd be almost dark and she'd get in that little car and she'd drive back and I never realized it as a young boy, but all she was trying to do was to help somebody. And oh, this morning I'm thankful for the Lord and the fact that He wants to help us in the same way. He wants to help us with our burdens and with our pains, our fears. He wants to help us this morning. But we got to want help. We got to ask for help. We've got to get to that place where we realize we need help. I've not dealt a lot with addict people with addictions and things. I have some. But I have talked and I've got friends that are in prison ministry and programs and things like Reformers Unifs and they tell me this. They say that until a man or a woman gets to that place where they want help and they realize they need help, they, there is no help. And we find this Syrophoenician Gentile, this woman, this Canaanite woman who was an outcast, religiously speaking, a pagan, a heathen in the Jew's mind, a, a castaway. And we find her here. And she's got a daughter that's full of the devil, possessed by the devil. And she can't help her. She can't talk it out of her. She can't pray. I mean, she's done everything she can. And she comes to Jesus and says, Lord, help me. I'm going to preach quickly on this this morning. I want you to look at verse 21. The Bible says, Then went Jesus, then Jesus went thence and departed in the coast of Tyre and Sidon. Now, if we're not careful when we read these stories, we'll miss a lot of great truths by trying to get through you understand, I don't know how y'all are, but I like getting through them black letters to get to them red letters. Yeah. But them black letters have got a lot on them too. Right. And brother Aaron, I was studying that and the first thing that we find here is there is a difficult move made by the Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says he went to Tyre and Sidon. Now when we think about that, we think of what, what, what big deal. But do you understand that up until this point, he had never been to Tyre and Sidon. And did you know after this event, he never came back to Tyre and Sidon. 
And so there was a difficult move. He was over here in Capernaum. He had a following there. He had a, he had a popularity there. He had people that loved him there. There were people there that he had healed. He had helped. He had touched. And they loved him there. But he left them. And he made a difficult move to come to where this woman was. I thought about this and I thought it was difficult because, and I thought about the path that was long. Do you know how far it was from Capernaum to Tyre and Sidon? 50 miles. Now that's a pretty good drive, much less a walk. I mean, they didn't have Hondas and Toyotas and, and, and Fords. Thank God they didn't have Fords. They didn't have Fords back then. <laughs> They didn't have, amen, Brother Kevin. You go ahead and shot judge. They didn't have cars and buses and airplanes. But do you understand how long the trip this was? 50 miles by foot. And it wasn't, listen, they didn't have walking trails and paved roads. It was rocky and dusty and difficult. And but yet, thank God that Jesus was willing to walk every step that it took to get there. I think about that and I think about another long path that Jesus was willing to walk. Amen. I think about that long path he had to walk from Pilate's Hall up Calvary's Mountain to die on the cross for you and I. I think about the long path he's took to find sinners just like me and just like you. I don't know about you, but he didn't find me on Main Street. He didn't find me in the middle of town. I wasn't somewhere that was easy to be found. But he found me on the wrong side of the tracks. Amen. He found me at a little church in the middle of nowhere and saved my soul. And listen, you may feel that you are out of his reach, that you're beyond traveling distance. But I promise you, if you need help, there is no path so long that He won't walk it to get to you. You say, Brother James, I've been running from Him for years. Let me say this. He's been following you for years as well. You may think you can get away from God. Ask Jonah how that worked out. The Bible says in Jonah 1 that Jonah arose to flee from the presence of the Lord. He said, hey, I'm getting out of here. I'm getting away. God told him to go to Nineveh. He got on a boat to go to Tarshish. If you look at a map, you'll find that if you want to go the exact opposite direction of Nineveh, you go to Tarshish. And he paid the fare. And he went down the ship and fell asleep. But do you know what was waiting for him? God was waiting for him. Amen. And the Bible says that God sent a strong wind. And God raised up a great storm. And God prepared a great fish. And there God said, Jonah, you can't get away from me. The people that were left, he left a people that loved him and adored him to go to a place that did not even know who he was. But I think the purpose of that difficult move was love. I've read... I've read commentators. I try to read after different men, and I, I mean, I do. I, I you know, uh, brother, uh, brother uh, Billy Kelly used to say, "I milk a lot of cows, but I make my own cheese." Amen. And I try to get me. I try to get from a lot of different men, 
But, but, but you understand, I've read them, and, they, and some of them have said this. They said the reason he went to Tyneside on was so he could get away from the masses and have some, some time of rest and, and, and relief. Sounds good, don't it? But I don't think that's why he came. I believe he come to Tyneside on for one reason. He knew there was a Syrophoenician woman there who was up at night wringing her hands saying, God, why? Why did you allow this to happen? God, why won't you help me? Why won't you send somebody? How come this is my life and I have to deal with it? He came for her. That's why he came. But there's a distressed mother as well in verse 22. So he said there was a, di- a difficult move. But now, I want you to see this distressed mother. This woman represents the Gentile world to which Jesus was about to turn. Quickly notice her personal misery. She had personal problems. You understand? She had problems in her position. She was a woman. Now, in, 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 in the pagan world, in Jesus' time, women were treated horribly. Horribly. They had no rights. They had no voice. They had no liberty. They were absolute their lives. I mean, listen, this lady here, she had a lot of problems in her life. Her position, her pedigree, she was a Gentile. More specifically, she was a Canaanite. Have you ever read the book of Joshua? You know the Canaanites, you know what they're under? They're under a curse. She was under a curse. So I'm saying this woman had a lot of problems, but she also had parental misery. She had parental, as a parent, she had a daughter who was vexed, a daughter who was possessed by the devil. You see, her experiences as a parent weren't what other people's experiences were as a parent. I want to say this. If God gave you children, raise your children. And don't worry about how everybody else raises theirs. Because every child is different. I can imagine Brother Aaron's son probably said, she didn't raise her right or she wouldn't be acting like that. There was probably some that said, well, my kid's never done that. My kid's never had... I'm talking about this is a little girl. She didn't sit in mama's lap and let mama comb her hair. She sat in mama's lap and clawed her face and bit her and yelled at her and rolled around on the ground. And was, I mean, she was, was... I mean, listen. She was, based on what we know about people that were possessed by the devil, we know that this little girl had serious problems. And when everybody else was in bed at night, singing lullabies to her little girl, this mom was holding her, her little girl down and trying to keep her from hurting herself. And it's awful hard to even know what to say until you've been there. I've heard people say things about preachers who had children that went astray. And let me say this. Let me say this. I know what the Bible says. I know what it says. But when a child reaches a certain age, there's nothing a mom or dad can do to control them in what they say or do. Then you know that there was nobody that hurt worse than this woman. Nobody suffered more than she did. So I'm trying to paint the picture of a mother 
It was distress. It was a perpetual misery, though. You see, every morning she got up, she probably said, I hope today's better than yesterday. And it wasn't. She probably thought maybe she's past this. Maybe she'll grow out of this. Maybe she'll get over this. You remember her background. She's a pagan. She didn't have any knowledge of God. She didn't know about the Word of God. She was a pagan. And those pagans couldn't help her. And listen, she, uh, she had a perpetual ministry. And every day, uh, she had to look at this little girl and realize, and don't you know she blamed herself? Don't you know the devil? And by the way, there's no daddy in the picture here either. Maybe this morning you can sympathize with her. Maybe you're here. And maybe it's not a girl. Maybe it's not a literal daughter. And maybe it is a literal son or daughter. But maybe in a figurative way we can make application if the Lord would allow us that we've all got things in our life that if we could change them, we definitely would. We've all got things we're praying for or praying about. We've all got things that bother us at night. We all have things that haunt us and torment us. And listen, we need to have compassion on one another. Amen. Instead of crossing our arms and sticking out our chest and looking down with a condescending eye and saying, bless God, if it was me, I would do this. It's easy to say how to handle a demon-possessed daughter until you got one. Ever since I had children, I've had people tell me ever since, well, they're going to be wild as a buck. That's what they say. Them preacher kids are always the wild. That's what they've told me. Well, that's awful encouraging, ain't it? Only the grace of God ain't gone to jail for hitting somebody for saying that. Seriously. But do you know, do you don't think that crosses my mind? My children are far from perfect. And I've, I, and I've been far from a perfect dad. But oh, listen, we need to have compassion on each other because there's people in this room right now that have things going on that if they could change it, they definitely would. There's a distressed mother. There's a declared message. And I don't want you to turn, but in Mark chapter 7, verse 25, it says, when she heard of him. And this is a theme that's repeated over and over and over and over in these, in these, in these miracles when they heard of him. When they heard of him. When they heard of him. Oh, listen this morning. Had somebody come to turn Sidon. Had the Bible doesn't say who. In fact, listen. Had the Bible doesn't say who or why or where. But somebody come to turn Sidon and told her about the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, brother, uh, uh, brother uh, uh, David, if, if somebody had not have told her of him, she never would have come to him. And if somebody hadn't have told me of him, I never would have came to him. And let me ask you this. That person that you've got such a low opinion of and the way they live and how they act and the way and, and you think so bad of them, maybe if they had heard of him, 
they might be different. They're in Tyre and Sidon. Again, I've already mentioned it. Somebody, they come back 50 miles. Somebody showed up there. And they said, oh, the one that was prophesied has come. And the Messiah has come. He's a miracle worker. I've said, they said, oh, he's raised the dead. He's fed the 5,000. Listen, he's healed the sick. He even walks on water. And here's this mother. She's sitting there. And she's he says, oh, I don't need anybody to walk on the water. I don't need anybody to multiply bread. That's not what I need. And maybe that preacher was preaching. And he said, there's a man over in Gadara. He had a legion, a legion of devils inside of him. And Jesus set him free. And she said, that's who I need. That's who I need. Amen. And oh, this morning, that should be our, our burden as children of God is to tell others of Him. Amen. A declared message. A desired mercy. It says in verse 22, she said, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. This morning, do you desire help? I believe we all do. I want you to see a couple of things, and I'm, I'm moving along. In this desire for mercy, we see there was no restraint. It says she cried. In verse 22, she cried. This shows her fervency in asking. We see there was no restraint. But in verse 23, but he answered not a word. There was no response. I'm sure that's not how she imagined this would go. Now, follow me. This is just, from studying this, this is what I think. It's not, I'm, I'm just, this is just a suggestion. What did, how did she address him the first time? Thou son of David. But remember who she is? She's a Greek, a Syrophoenician, a Canaanite, a pagan. You know what I believe she was trying to do? She was trying to put on a, a religious front. That was, the, that was the Jewish, uh, you understand, son of David. In fact, David had killed more Canaanites than anybody. And the reason I believe Jesus didn't respond at first is because he wanted her to stop putting on a show and get real. Amen. And then these spiritual disciples, <laughs> you know what they said? Lord, send her away. Brother David, in Matthew 14, 15, what did, when the multitudes needed to eat, you know what the disciples' solution to the problem was? Send them away. And you know what carnal believers will do? With people with problems, they'll just say, let's just send them away. We don't want that person in our church. We don't want them sitting on our pew. They've got issues. They've got to pass. I want to say this. I'd be, I'd be so happy. I'd be so tickled if we had so many people <coughs> with issues and problems and troubles and pests that everybody else had to go sit in the fellowship hall so they'd have somewhere to sit. Amen. But listen to me, a carnal belief, a carnal minded man. Well, this is how we all respond if we have trouble. Let's just get rid of it. 
Let's just send it on down the line. All you that work public jobs, you know how that is. Right? If you're a superintendent or a supervisor of any sort, you go and there's an issue. You'll go to the one and they'll say, well, so-and-so and so-and-so did this. And then you go to them and then they've got them a so-and-so. And then you go to them and they've got two so-and-sos. And what is it? They're all just wanting to send it away. Just send it away. But aren't you glad the Lord didn't send her away? And by the way, think about this. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't always answer every prayer we pray and give us what we want? In reality, they were praying saying send her away. They were making a request. But they weren't praying in the Spirit. And I've prayed for some things in my flesh that if God had given them to me, I wouldn't be standing here today. I've said things in my, in my frustration and in my anger and in my uh, weakness that I'm so glad He didn't do what I asked Him to do. There was no respect. They said, send her away. There was no retreat. The Bible says in verse 25, then she came and worshipped Him. Now think about this. If anybody had a right to be offended, she did. But her response was not to run from him, but run to him. And did you know this, Drew? She worshipped him before her daughter ever was set free. We think, boy, if God would do this, I'd do. I, boy, I'd really worship Him. If this, if my child got saved, or if my, if my bills, if I were to have this debt paid, or if I got this promotion, or if, if, if this happened or that happened, if this was fixed or if that was fixed, if I could just get this answer to prayer, then I would worship Him. The Bible says that she worshipped Him before the girl ever was healed. The children of Israel didn't shout after the walls fell in Jericho. They shouted before the walls fell. She didn't argue with the facts. Verse 26. Now, I'm, I'm coming in for a landing. Maybe a long landing, but we're coming in. But he answered and said, Now she worshipped him and said, Lord, help me. Now, do you understand now her tone's getting a little different? She's not Jesus, thou son of David, now it's just Lord help me. And by the way, God's not impressed with all of our religious jargon that we use. Thou most blessed and high of all my, you know, listen, I believe in being reverential in our prayer, but I also believe the Bible says we pray, we cry, Abba, Father. But Jesus says in verse 26. But he answered and said, It's not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dogs. Now, careful here. The dogs he was referring to, if you look it up, was in Bible times, you had the wild dogs, the crazy dogs, the ones that's out here, you know, ravaging and eating. Then you had a domestic. That's the one he used would be like a pet. So he wasn't just calling her some foaming at the mouth rabbit dog. He said, it's not me to take the bread from the children. The pictures here of the family sitting at the dinner table. And the father's giving out bread. And he said, I'm sent to the children, the, the lost house of Israel. He said, it's not meat. It's not proper. It's not appropriate. I mean, it wouldn't be appropriate for you to take bread out of your children's hand and feed it to a dog, would it? 
I mean, and let your child go hungry. And listen, and, and she says this, and she says this in verse number 27, and she said, truth, Lord, you're right. You're right. Yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the master's table. Now the word she uses for dogs is different than the word he used. The dog she used is a puppy dog, a, ba a little dog. So she said, Lord, I know you wouldn't take your bread and, and give it to, from your children to a, to a dog, a house dog. She said, but oh, them little puppies that crawl. How many of you, and them little puppies are hard, right? How many if they come begging and whimpering? We had a Boston Terrier named Buster. And listen, we spoiled him. And there wasn't a meal we had. We were forbidden to feed him table food. But every time Mama looked away, we'd sneak him a scrap here and a scrap there. And she, this is what she was saying. You know, puppy, them little dogs, they're useless. They can't do anything. I've got one, I raised her, I started six months, six weeks old, Scarlet. And the first, I mean, two months of her life, useless. Useless. Couldn't do nothing for me. I mean, I got, I trapped coons. I trapped coons, brother, dad, and sat them in front of her, and she ran. Used the bathroom on herself. So this ain't going to turn out good. I would say something, but I'd make some Tennessee fans right now if I said it, but. I mean, I did everything. And, but you know what I did every day? I'd go out there and I'd scratch her behind her ears. I'd give her a little extra. You know why? And th this is what I'm saying. This woman was appealing to the sympathy, the pity of the Lord. And she said, Lord, but even them little, them little puppy dogs, they get crumbs. And what she was saying is, Lord, I don't want a loaf of bread. I'm not even asking for a piece of bread. All I want you to do is just give me a little crumb. I've just got a little problem. My daughter is there. It's no big thing for you to do. It's just a crumb. But if you'll give me a crumb, it's all I desire. Amen. Uh, no, this morning... This morning, I'm thankful that there's still crumbs that fall from the master's table Amen. to sustain his children. Amen. And oh, I'm new this morning. I'm not desiring a loaf or a peace, but all I'm desiring is for some crumbs from your table. And the Bible says there was a divine miracle in verse 28. Then Jesus answered and said, O woman, great is thy faith. Now you may think I have great faith and I could have very little faith. And I may think you have great faith and you don't have much faith. Or I may think you have no faith and you've got great faith. What I'm saying is faith is something you and I, is, you understand, I understand faith, but you understand faith is something that only Jesus really can place a value on. And when Jesus said, Great is thy faith. You can believe this. Great was her faith. I want you to notice this, and I'm done. When did she receive this miracle? After she had prayed. John Rice said that every problem in the Christian life is a prayer problem. When she had prayed. We'll pray here and there and, and uh, you know, we'll pray when we're supposed to pray and we'll come to church and pray a little bit. But listen this, this morning, what, how, how would our lives be changed 
if we would get serious about having a real prayer life. There's difference, there's a difference in praying and having a prayer life. And this morning, God knows in my own life, that in my own life, if there's anyone here that should and needs to pray more, it's me. But you understand the miracle came after she had prayed. It came after she had praised and said she worshiped him. I've done hit on that. But what would be wrong? Remember, he, what did Jesus say about her? Great is thy faith. Great is thy faith. Do you know that if you get a, 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 a you know, let's just say, I don't even know, an unexpected, you know, raise or promotion at your work, and then you praise God, you're not praising Him by faith, you're praising Him by sight. And I'm not downplaying that. I think you ought to thank Him, Brother Aaron. But when you praise Him before the pay raise, when you praise Him before the miracle, when you pray, then you're doing it by faith. I think what Jesus realized in her was that when she fell down at His feet and lifted up her Gentile hands and worshipped Him and acknowledged Him and revered Him, she said she's doing it by faith. She's, she's seeing, oh, she's, she is adoring me. She is worshipping me before I ever give her what's on her heart. And then she received her miracle after she had persevered. We all give up way too soon. Yesterday, Drew had his first football game. And uh, they lost by two points. Yesterday was a rough day. Drew lost, the Braves lost, and Georgia lost. We had a bad day. But thank God we got a new day. God's mercies are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. But anyhow, Brother David, we played Wingo. And they had this boy. I don't know if he's in eighth grade or ninth grade. He's supposed to be sixth grader, but anyhow. <laughs> they had him at running back. And honestly, he probably had four or five inches on Drew, and that's rare. And probably had 20 pounds on him. And I mean, me and Drew, we've been going over this all. We've been getting ready for this game. I mean, pep talking, pumping them up. I mean, I've been, oh, look, blue guy, you know, I've been, I've been slapping them around, shaking them by the head, giving them smelling salts, you know what I mean? Sprinkling buckshot on his cereal every morning. But anyhow, and, 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 we're, and we go to that game, and boy, them little boys, they was fired up. Drew was hollering, they was hitting each other. And then they, that team lined up for the first play, and here Drew is a middle linebacker. And I'm looking at that running back. I'm thinking, surely he's supposed to be on the line. And Brother Larry, they run a toss. And, and, and Drew was running. And he had the angle on him. And he just stopped. Just stopped. And, and you know what happened? <laughs> he realized this joker's big. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Drew wasn't the only one that stopped. There was ten other boys that watched him run all the way down for a touchdown. Well... You know, me being the calm parent I am. Yeah. What are you doing, Drew? Come on, come on, Drew. You've got to hit that joker. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Knock him out. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I got it. Next play. We, we, our, our kick, our, our, we got a good, Tim Ivey's boy, Max, he's real good. He run a kickoff back, so it's 7-7. Seven, seven. All right, we're back in it. Next play, tall sweep. 
Touchdown. Touchdown. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't quit. And something happened. It was a miracle. I mean, it was like a, it was an out-of-body experience. I'm watching this. I don't know what happened. I don't know where the light come on. But they tried to run on number 43 in the B gap over there. And he got met by number 35. Amen. And when he hit him, you could hear the pads pop. I'm talking about there's nothing sounds more beautiful in the fall than the cool fall evening and hearing pads pop like that. And you may not like it. I don't care. I like it enough for everybody in here. And he hit that big joker. And the big joker fell down. And guess what happened? The next play, another boy hit him. And then another boy hit him. And guess what? They all got bold, brother Eric. But you know why? They kept persevering. They kept going. They didn't give up. And listen, all I'm saying, I know that I had to get that in somehow. But the truth is, this woman she persevered she kept coming back can you imagine you're a dog I don't have time for you or can you imagine coming up to me come here Clayton come here alright come on you want something What if I just walk off and leave you there? Are you going to ask me again? No, probably. Huh? I don't know. <laughs> you need to work on your acting skills. <laughs> Could you imagine coming to me and saying, Brother Martin, uh, my brother, my, my uncle, my granddaddy, my neighbor, they need, they're lost. They need you to come. And, and it's, while you're talking, I'll just turn around and walk away. How offended would you be? That's exactly what happened. And then the next time, the next time you come up to me and said, Brother Martin, will you go see my law? And I said, uh, I don't got time for a dog like you. Uh, yeah. Woo. But you know what she did? She came back and she came back and she came back. And you know what happened? Eventually what happened? The Lord Jesus, He reached out and touched her daughter. And by the way, He didn't go to her house, but He healed her. Amen. 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 And old mama went running home. And she went running home and she come in. I bet when she that door had probably done been kicked off the hinges five times by that crazy little girl. And she walked in. There was probably, I can just imagine again. I try to put myself in the place. And I can imagine that house probably was dark and, and morbid. And probably there weren't many bright pictures. And and oh, and, uh, she walked in the door and she didn't hear no screaming. She didn't hear no hollering. She didn't hear no yelling or or or, or, or chaos. And she she walked in and the Bible says she found her lying in the bed. Amen. <laughs> I believe that her little eyes had a childish glow to them. And you know what happened? The peace of God that passed with all understanding had flooded that home and set that little girl free. And don't you know that, that little woman, that, that little mother, that said, thank God I didn't give up. Thank God I went to Jesus and I didn't come home. But I kept praying. I kept asking. And that little girl was changed. Completely changed. In fact, the Bible says she is made whole. If you look up that word whole, it means more. He didn't just pull the devil out, but he repaired any damage that the devil had made. 
It means he made her, Brother Mark, as if she had never been possessed by the devil. You know what I believe? I believe them scars on her arms from where she clawed herself were gone. Amen. I do. I believe all that hurt and all that chaos that had been in her mind, I believe it was gone. I believe when that little girl woke up from that, she said, that's the best nap I ever took. <laughs> Lord, help me.